overflow till they only see you, God, and not me, oh God. Fill us up, oh God. Fill us up, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place, oh God. We thank you for your glory, God, because we want more of you, God. We want more of your power, oh God. We want more of your glory, God. We need you like never before, oh God. We need you, God. So, Father, have your way in this place. Move by your spirit, God. Do whatever it is that you want to do in this place, oh God. Have your way in me, oh God. Have your way, oh God. Father God, so that they would hear you, oh God. Open our ears, oh God, to hear what the spirit is saying. Open our eyes, oh God, to see what it is that you are doing, oh God. And we give you all the glory, God. We give you all the honor, oh God, because it is due your name and your name alone. So, Father, we bless your name. We thank you for who you are, oh God. We thank you for your sweet, sweet presence. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Israel's bloodline, you would see that they would ask them to be circumcised. 
right? We've seen that with Joseph's sister when, when she was raped and her father said, okay, they're going to get married. Then what happened was they said, okay, everybody needs to get circumcised. Your whole family line needs to be circumcised because circumcision was a part of saying that you are a part of us, right? You are a part of us, so you are circumcised. And so here we are in the New Testament, and Paul is talking to the church there in Galatia, and he's telling them, you know, that the Gentiles don't have to be circumcised. He's telling them that they don't need to go through the physical circumcision in order to accept Christ. And he actually tells them that if they were to try to circumcise themselves, that they're actually separating themselves from Christ, that they're actually making themselves accountable to the law instead of receiving the benefits of what it is that Christ has done. And so he's telling them, no, no, it's not about circumcision. It's about faith. It's about faith and love. And what he says to them is, who hindered you from the truth? Who hindered you from knowing what it is that's true? And I found myself thinking about this. I'm like, who hindered you from the truth? And when we think about that, you know, no one willingly wants to believe a lie, right? I don't know anybody that's like, I'm just going to believe this lie. I'm going to follow this lie, unless they have some serious mental illness. Like, nobody really wants to believe a lie, right? And if they are really living a lie, they believe that it's true. And they're acting based on the fact that it's true. Um, it was probably maybe a good six, seven years ago um, that I was looking in the mirror. And I looked in the mirror, and I was like, oh, you're cute. I was like, all right, the hair looks right, makeup's right, all right, you're cute. And I had this moment of revelation that I had never had that moment before, that I had never had a moment where I looked at myself in the mirror and didn't find all of the flaws. Right? I would look in the mirror and I would say, oh, goodness, see that, that mark right there on your face or your cheeks are too big or your face is too fat. Oh, that double chin is showing. Make sure you angle and hold your neck right so that people don't see it, right? And, and I would nitpick about everything about myself. And I was in a group with a group of ladies, and it was called a truth group, it's a book called Telling Yourself the Truth Based on the Word of God. And one of the ladies said to me, she said, do you like yourself? And I looked at her, and I had never had anybody say it to me so plainly. And, you know, if, if we get defensive, right? So if anybody had came to me and was like, do you even like yourself? You know, in that moment, you're like, of course I like myself. What's wrong with you, right? But it was a moment of truth and honesty, and I had to say, no, I don't. And I realized that I had been believing a lot of lies about myself. I, even though I would never let anybody say it out loud, like you can't come to my face and say something bad about me because I'm going to fight you, right? But in my mind, what I was really thinking is, you're ugly. Something's wrong with you. And so everything that I did, all the actions that I carried out, was a result of this lie. Not even realizing it, but this lie was constructing the way that I lived my life. I was living my life based on the fact that I was ugly, that I wasn't good enough, that something must have been wrong with me. So everything that I was doing was reactionary to that. But I didn't know that it was a lie. I didn't know who I really was. I didn't know what was really reflecting back at me in the mirror. And this is the same thing that's happening here in the church in Galatia, that they're so worried about the physical appearance. They're so worried about what people are judging, what people are seeing, that they can't even see the truth of who they are. And so we find ourselves believing these lies. And I, I want to talk about the main lies that we believe. And I'm going to talk about self and fear. 
And those are the two areas where we find ourselves lying the most. And they are the hindrances that we have to the truth. And, you know, our bishop always tells us that you, you do the most talking to yourself. We don't even realize how much we're talking in our minds, how much we're saying things, how much we're believing things, how much we're doing things based on what's happening in our minds. And so we look at ourselves, and often when we see ourselves, we feel like we're not worthy or we feel like we're not good enough or we look at ourselves and we say, oh, you know what, I can't, I can't do this. I can't juggle life. I can't deal with the struggles. There's just too much happening. How many of you guys have been in a place where you just felt hindered from purpose? Like you know that you've got a purpose. You know that God is calling you to something, but you keep feeling hindered. And it's like I, I, I can't go forward in purpose. Like, God, I know you're calling me to something greater. I know that you've called me for such a time as this. And, God, I want to do all the dreams and all the things that you've called me to do, but I keep finding myself hindered, and I don't know and a lot of times it's because of the lies that we're telling ourselves. We, you know, life happens and, and we, we start to say, oh, it's the enemy. It's the enemy that keeps attacking me. And, and Flip Wilson was famous for saying that the devil made me do it. But the reality is, is often the enemy is really just the inner me. It's the things that I keep saying to myself. It's the war between the flesh and the spirit in me. It's, it's me that's battling with me. It's, it's my pride. It's my insecurities. It's all of the stuff that's already on the inside of me that I'm fighting with. And the Bible tells us to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. But the word also says that we've been bought with a price. So we have to be worth something. And a lot of times I think that we believe that humility and low self-esteem go together, right? That, that if you have low self-esteem, then you really must be humble, you know, because you, you see yourself as lowly. But the reality is that they're contradictory because low self-esteem is more in line with pride than it could ever be in line with humility. Because what happens is when we have low self-esteem, we are exalting our opinion. We're exalting what others have said. We're finding satisfaction in what other people do over God. And that's pride. And so when we find ourselves in these places where we don't know who we are, or where we're discounting our ability, what we're doing is saying, God, I know better than you. God, even though your word says I can do all things through Christ, no, 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 I can't. Even though your word says greater are you that's in me, ah, I'm, I'm kind of weak. Even though your word says I can do it, my mind is telling me that I can't, and I'm listening to what my mind says over what it is that your word says, over what it is that the spirit says. And that means that not only am I walking in pride, but I've allowed myself to become my own idol. Why? Because I honor myself over honoring God. I honor what I believe. I honor what others have said over honoring God. And that's idolatry. And so we have to begin to say, okay, God, how do I live my life where I'm not so motivated by self? How do I live my life where I'm not so motivated by these lies that I've believed? How do I separate myself from that? And a lot of times when we start to get out of self, then we deal with fear, right? And, and fear is an interesting, interesting concept because fear is mentioned or like fear or be afraid or do not be afraid or have a holy fear for God is mentioned in the Bible over 300 times. So fear must be an important concept that we have to deal with. And the thing about fear that's interesting is it always talks about fear in a negative context, except for when it's talking about having a holy and reverent fear for God. And it's, it's 
it's one of those things that I've always thought was like contradictory and a misnomer. Like, God, why would you tell us to have a holy fear from you? And yet everything else in your word talks about not walking in fear, right? And not being afraid. And so I'm like, why would you tell us, why would you use that same word fear? And what I realized is he realized that fear is a motivating factor. Fear is very much a motivating factor. When you're afraid, you react out of that fear. I'm afraid that this will happen, so I'm going to go the other way. I'm afraid that if I do this, something bad's going to happen, so I'm going to do the opposite. Fear is very much a motivating factor. And we hear um, there's a lot of things that are said about fear, like fear is the opposite of faith, or fear is false evidence appearing real. But really, fear isn't the opposite of faith. It's having faith in the wrong thing. When you fear, you believe right? You believe, okay, I believe that if I go down the 805, that there's going to be so much traffic that I'm going to get in an accident. So I'm never going to drive on the 805. I'm I'm never going to take the 805 because I don't want to get in an accident, right? So I have faith that if I go on the 805, then I'm going to get in an accident. That's having faith in the wrong thing. That's believing that the negative will happen instead of believing that there is a hedge of protection around me, that there is a legion of angels that will keep me safe wherever I go, so I'm going to drive wherever I have to drive to, right? So fear is not this opposite thing of faith. It's just become a place where we're believing in the wrong thing. We've allowed what we fear. We've allowed what people say. We allow those things to speak more loudly and more evident in our life than we allow the Spirit of God. It becomes our truth, and our truth becomes grounded in fear instead of in what God says. We have more faith. We take more stock in the things of this world than we do over what it is that God has said because we're fearful. And just like self, then fear becomes an idol. Why? Because I'm not motivated by what the Spirit of God says. I'm motivated based on my fears. I move based on my fears. I do actions. I live and I breathe based on my fears. Instead of living and breathing based on what the Spirit has said, I'm doing the opposite of what God has called me to do because I'm afraid. And the reality is, is I should be so afraid of God and who he is that I dare not dishonor him. I dare not disobey him. Why? Because I know that he's sovereign. He has the final say that he is the almighty, all-powerful God. And what he says shall be, and that's it. But we find ourselves walking in these lies and, and, and walking in these untruths. And it reminds me of the story in Numbers 13 and 14. And it's a very familiar passage to most of us that have been going to church for a little while. We've heard the story. And what happens is Moses tells the Israelites, he gets 12 leaders, and he says, I want you to go and spy out the promised land. I want you to spy out the land that God has promised us. So he tells them, go. He says, look for what kind of people are there. Look what kind of fruit is there. Look at the land. I want you all to go check out this land and bring me back a report. And so they go. They go to the land. They look around, and they all come back. And 10 out of the 12 say, well, they all actually said it was good. They said the land was great. They said the fruit was huge. They said, indeed, the land flows with milk and honey. But 10 out of the 12 said, we can't do this. We, we can't get this land. They, they, they said that we are grasshoppers in our own sight. So they automatically discounted themselves from what it is that God had given them. And they even began to murmur and complain. And they were like, I can't believe that God bought us this far just to die. 
I can't believe that we've come all the way out of Egypt just to die. And they said, let's get a new leader. Forget Moses. We're going to find a new leader who's going to take us back to Egypt because going back to Egypt would be better than the promise. They automatically dismissed that they would be able to go in. And, and God says to Moses, I am tired of these people rejecting me. He says, I'm tired of them rejecting me. They had no idea that God was going to do a miraculous thing. Instead, they kept looking at themselves. They kept looking at their own abilities. They kept looking at their ability to fight, their ability to stand against the enemy. They kept looking at what was in them and forgot about who's in God. And we do that so often. It's like God calls us to something, and, and I'm one of those people, like, I am, I'm a planner right? Like I like to have a plan of attack. I like to know how I'm going to do this. So immediately when God's like, okay, Akia, I've called you to do this. I'm like, okay. So God's called me to do this. In order to do that, I need to do this, 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 and this, right? So I heard God, I heard what he told me to do, and I create a plan that's going to take me from A to Z of how to get there. Because based on what I know and based on how the world works, this is how I'm going to get there. So I start walking and moving in the plan. And I'm like, all right. And it doesn't go right, ever. It just, it just doesn't. It never goes right. I'm like, okay, God, this is what you said. And in order for me to get what you said, this is what needs to happen. And it doesn't happen. And I'm like, God, I'm doing what it is that you said. I'm, I'm trying to make it happen. But I'm trying to make it happen my way. I'm trying to make it happen based on what I know, based on how I think the world works. I'm trying to make it happen based on how I can make things happen. And I'm looking at me instead of the miracle of God. And often we look at ourselves to fulfill God's plan and purpose for our life. We look at our own ability. And the word is so beautiful because what the word of God says to us is that we are insufficient in and of ourselves. But our sufficiency is in God. And too often we try to believe that we're supposed to be independent. We're supposed to have it all together. We're supposed to, you know, be smooth operators. Everything is supposed to go well. And I've always wanted to be that person. I've just always wanted life to be perfect. Like I wanted to dress perfect and look perfect and talk perfect and have cute little kids that are dressed nice all the time, that, that everything is just in a row. You can come to my house at 4 o'clock in the morning or 4 p.m. and everything's just neat all the time right? I have four kids, okay? Let's just keep it real. If you came to my house right now, there's laundry on the couch that needs to be folded. There's some that's folded in the other living room. There's, there's dishes that are probably out. I think some are clean. I don't know because we're doing life, right? There, there's four kids there and a lot happening. And sometimes we're rushing from place to place or trying to do this and trying to do that. And I'm like, okay, God, listen. I was like, God, we, we need to have a talk. I was like, you want me to do ministry? You want me to be involved? And I was like, God, don't you know I have four kids? Don't you know that I work full time? Don't you know that Will's schedule is a little unpredictable? Do you not know who I am? Like, I'm not the neatest person. I don't have it all together yet. So maybe you just want to sit me on a back burner because it's, it's, it's not all right. And it's like, God's like, no, I want to use you where you are. I want to take your mess and show that it's me and not you. But what happens is we look at 
our own ability. We look at what I can do, and so we say, God, you can only use me based on my capacity. God, you can only use me based on what I can do myself. Instead of saying, God, do whatever you want to do with me, however it is that you want to do with me, because you're God. The reality is if we look at the story of what happens when the Israelites do cross over into Jericho, is God's like, watch what I do. Yeah, I know you guys are small. Yeah, I know that they're bigger. Yes, I know that they're stronger, but watch what I do. And so when it's time and, and a whole generation has passed and they finally are listening to Joshua and Caleb and they're like, all right, we're going to do this. The minute that they step into the water, the minute that they decide we're going to take the first step and do what you've called us to do, the water's part. The minute that they say, God, I don't think we can, I don't know how we can, but we're going to take the step because you told us to, the water's part. And so many times we are unwilling to take the step. We don't ever see the water's part. We don't ever see miracles happen. We don't ever see God do miraculous things because we're unwilling to take the step. We've already counted ourselves out. We've already said, you know what, God, I'm not good enough. I don't have it in me. I don't have the ability. I can't walk in the places that you've called me to walk, so I'm just going to stay back here. Matter of fact, I'll return to bondage because it'll be easier for me to live in bondage than it will be for me to achieve this promise that you said you have for me. So we do. We lock ourselves up in this bound place. We believe the fears. We believe the self-doubt. We believe the lies, and we tell God, no, I can't. I can't do it, not knowing that if we would just take the step, that a miracle is right there. That if we would just take the step, that God is going to do something that is beyond what we can ask or think. And it's funny because if you ask any Christian and you ask them, like, seriously, do you want the abundant life that God has for you? Do you want the exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask, think, or imagine? And every believer will be like, yes, I want it. But the reality is, is if God's going to do something that is beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine, that means we can't plan it out. Because if it's beyond what I could ask, think, or imagine, my plan won't get me there. Because what I would think can't ever get me to what's beyond what, I could, what I'm capable of thinking of, right? So that means that it has to be outside of me. It has to be outside of the way that I would do things. It has to be outside of the limitations. If God has a call upon your life and you're fully capable of it, it's not God's call. Because the reality is that what he's called you to do exceeds your own ability. It exceeds your own ability. And sometimes we get tapped out and we say, God, look, I can't do anymore. I don't have the capability. I struggle. I'm not there yet in life. You know what, God? I'm just going to take a step back. And we do it so often. We count ourselves out. And we say, I'll just sit here and wait. And then, God, if you have everything lined up in a row, then I'll start stepping out. Right? If, you, if I can see the way you're going to do everything, then I'll start stepping out. It's like we tell God, part the waters first, and then I'll walk. Let me see you part the waters, and then I'll decide to move in what it is that you've called me to do. But that's not faith. That's not trusting him. That's not believing. We're more comfortable with what things look like than what it actually needs to be. And that's what was going on in Galatians. They said, we want to see an outward sign. We want to know that people are in covenant with you. We want to know that they've done something physical, something that we can count on. We want to know what it is that we believe. 
And that's exactly why, if you look at the children of Israel, when Moses went up on the mountain and they told Aaron, make us a God. They said, get all the gold together and, and make us an idol. Make us something that we can worship and thank for getting us out of Egypt. They wanted something that they could see instead of relying in the unseen God who had actually done it for them. And that's what we do. We want so much to have what we can see, so much to have what we can touch, so much to have this, what this world system says that we won't even take the step of faith to rely on God. And what Paul was telling the church in Galatians is that if it's based on what you can see, if it's based on what you know to do, if it's based on your plan, what you've done is separate yourself from the power of Christ. You said, I don't have any need of Christ because I can do what I need to do in and of myself. I can depend on the law and I can follow all these rules of the law and then I'll obtain what God has for me instead of living by faith. And the word says that the just shall live by faith. But instead of living by faith, we're living based off of the world system. We're living based off of what we understand. We're living based off of what we can see in the natural instead of obtaining the promise of God. And we walk around with these idols, not even realizing that they're idols, not even realizing that we're making decisions based on lies, that we're making decisions based on ourselves, that we're making decisions based on fear and not on the spirit of God. And this is the season and this is the hour where it's time for us to really get the promise that God has for us. This is a time where it's time to actually say, I am going to see the supernatural thing that God has promised my life. And in order to do that, we've got to let go of self and we have to let go of fear. And so I want to give you all three steps to how we let go of, of fear and self. And the first step is that we have to admit the lies that we've believed. We, we have to admit that it's a lie right? Until I could say, I have believed for so long that I'm ugly, or until I could say that I have not liked myself for so long, I couldn't start looking at myself differently. The, one of the things that they tell alcoholics or people with an addiction is the first thing you have to do is admit that you have a problem. So often we try to say, I'm, I'm good. I love God. I got it all together. I come to church every Sunday. I come on Wednesdays. I say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. I do all of the religious things. And because I do all of those religious things, then I'm in right standing with God. But if we're really honest, if we really were to examine ourselves, if we really were to see what motivates me, what drives me to do what I do? What causes me to react the way that I react? If we really started to look at what's hindering me to purpose, we would find that the most significant thing is ourselves and our fears. But as long as we don't acknowledge it, we'll keep doing the same old thing. As long as I don't ever say that I move based on fear. As long as I don't ever say that every once in a while I find myself caught up in myself and I think of myself more highly than I ought to because even if you ever told me that I think of myself more highly than I ought to, I would tell you that you were wrong. But if you came to me and said, oh, you know, Akia, you should really um, open a business. And I would say to you, no, no, I can't open a business. I don't have a business degree. No, I can't open a business. I don't, I don't have enough finances. No, I, I can't open a business. I don't, I don't know enough about running a business. And so we would find that if we really looked at our actions, 
that even though we may feel really led and really called to open a business and have a strong desire to do it, that we move in the opposite direction because we are moving based off of self and moving based off of fear. So the first thing that we have to do is acknowledge it. We have to admit that we actually have an issue. We have to admit that we've believed lies, that we've allowed Satan to tell us who we are, or we've allowed our inner self to tell us that we're not good enough or that we can't do it or that the promise won't be fulfilled. We have to admit that. And then once we admit it, the second step is that we have to replace it with the truth of the word of God. The Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we have to know what it is that the word says about us. We have to know what it is that God says about who I am and how it is that God says I am. So we have to replace those lies with the truth. And it's so interesting to me that in Galatians, he said, what hinders you from the truth? What is hindering you from the truth of who you really are? And Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the light. And what's significant about the fact that Jesus said that I am is when you make an I am statement, that means you are equal to, right? So two plus three equals five. So you can always substitute two plus three for five, or you can always substitute five for two plus three. So what that also means is let's apply that to that scriptures. We can always substitute Jesus for the truth because he is the truth. All truth, all, everything that we know that is true is rooted in Jesus and rooted in what he said. The Bible says that he is the word made flesh, that he is the word, he is the word and the word and Jesus are one. And so when we say that we are going to replace it with the truth, we have to replace the lies with Jesus. We have to replace the lies with what it is that Jesus said and what it is that Jesus has done. So when we find ourselves in this place of like, man, God, I'm not good enough or I fall short, God, I, I cussed today, or I, I yelled at somebody, or I didn't say things quite the way that I should, or I didn't you know, speak lovingly all the time to my husband or to my children and all of those things. That what we do is we say, you know, I need to replace that with truth. So it might be that, you know what, guess what, I did fall short as a wife. I may have fallen short as a mother, but I am well able to be the mother that God has called me to be. I am well able to walk in the gifting and the calling that God has called me to walk in. I am well able to fulfill God's promise for my life. Why? What's so interesting is that in the word of God, what it says is when he promised Abraham a blessing, he said, I swore by myself when there was none greater. So now when I find myself listening to lies of the enemy or lies in the inner me that are telling me that I'm not good good enough or that I can't do it. I said, uh-uh, Satan, because Jesus swore by himself concerning me. I'm called, I'm anointed, I'm well able, I'm capable. I can walk in every gifting that God has given me. Why? Because God loved me so much that he swore by himself that I could do it. And that's when I realized that based on the word, I'm bad. I can do whatever it is that God has told me to do. I can achieve whatever it is that I put my mind to. Why? Because he's in me. See, pride would be if I said, oh, I can do whatever I'm going to do because I'm Akia. But the reality is no, because Akia can't really do much, okay? She, I'd be straight tapped out, done. But when I tap into the Holy Spirit, 
I can do anything. Why? Because he says that I can. So every time that I feel like there's a lie of the enemy, I come back with the truth of what it is that God says. I come back with the truth of knowing who I am in him. That's the truth about me. The truth about me is found in God's word, not based on what anybody can think or not what I would think about myself. The truth about me is in who God says that I am. So every time that I feel that lie, every time I feel like I'm not good enough, every time anxiety might try to come up and say, what are people going to think about you? What are they going to say about what you're doing? What are they going to say about your imperfections? I realize that my sufficiency is not in myself, but my sufficiency is in God. And because he says I'm worthy, then I'm worthy. Because he says I'm able, then I'm able. Because he says I can, then I will. Why? Because my God says so. And so when I replace the lies with the truth, then I can do the third thing. And I can trust God and take him at his word. And too many times we hear God and we hear what he says, but we don't take him at his word. We don't, we don't really take God at his word because if we took God at his word, we would do things based on God's word. If we took God at his word, then we wouldn't find ourselves backpedaling so much. If we took God at his word, we wouldn't find ourselves stepping back when God has told us to step forward. We wouldn't find ourselves trying to make positions or make ways for us when God says, hold on, I got it. Just wait on me. But instead, we try to make it happen because we don't trust in him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. But the reality is, we say, all right, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to lean on what I know to be true, and I'm going to walk based on the system of the world, and then, God, I want you to have your way in my life. God, I'm, I'm going to trust you with all my heart, but, you know, I grew up in school, and what they say is that if you want to own a business, you need a bachelor's in business, you need a master's in business, and you need to have at least 200 grand saved up minimum if you want a small business. So... God, I can't do that right now. So we say, God, I trust you with your plan for my life, but we get caught up in our own understanding. We get caught up in our own system of thinking because we've been taught for so long that this leads to that, that if I do this, then I'll get that. So if I get circumcised, then I'll be righteous. If I go to church every Sunday, then I'll be righteous. If I follow all the rules and look good and look like I have it all together, then I'll be righteous. If I come to church on Sunday and my skirt comes to my ankles and I say hallelujah, praise the Lord whenever I'm supposed to, then everything in my life will be right because I'm following the system of understanding. But the word says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean, rely on thy own understanding. Avi just started walking. Let me tell y'all, that child is 18 months and she just started walking. And she's been walking for a couple months and I had this moment and I was like, God, I'm like, this child can walk. She can take steps and walk. Why won't she just walk? I'm like, God, why won't she just walk? Why won't she let go of stuff? Why won't she just let it go? And Avi was the type that if she could find something to hold on to, she was going to hold on to. She wanted to lean on it. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Avi's trying to show y'all what to do. What happens is we get to a place and a point in our life where we feel like we shouldn't have to lean on anybody. 
where we shouldn't even have to lean on God. We get to this place, and it's like when you, you know, like when a child turns 18 and you're like, all right, you're on your own now, right? We, you know, that, that tradition that says we're just going to push them out and let them figure out life on their own instead of saying, you know what, you might need to lean on me. You might need to still walk and have a dependency on me. And what I realized was whereas I really wanted Avi to walk and I really wanted her to stop leaning on things, the reality is we need to lean on God. But instead, we lean on ourselves. We lean on our own ability. We want to let go and be free and independent, not realizing that you can never achieve big dreams if you're not leaned on something. You have to be leaned on God. You have to lean on what he says. And then what you have to do is say, okay, God, in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you and you'll direct my path. But go, we're going to go back a little bit where it says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. So that means if I'm going to lean and rely on God, then I can't move based on the way that I see the world. That if I'm going to lean and rely on God, I can't move based on Akia's understanding. That if I'm going to lean and rely on God because his ways are higher and his thoughts are deeper and he knows better than I know. And if I want to walk in the higher levels and the deeper depths of what it is that he has for me, then I've got to let go of the way that I think the world should be. I've got to let go of the way that I think God should move in my life. I've got to let go of the way that I feel like, God, if you want to operate in me, that this has to lead to that. I've got to let that go. And that's what really trusting in God looks like. I wish that um, it was like a microwave thing, right? I wish that I could tell you that changing your thought process and, and renewing your mind is like a snap thing. Right, especially because I am a part of the millennial generation. I didn't really want to admit that. Me and Franklin had a lot of fights about me being a millennial. He had to show me that I am a millennial. And um, so I, I, I realized, though, that I'm, I'm like a snap, quick person. I don't like to wait for anything. Let me tell you, every restaurant that you can call ahead, that you can order online, that you don't have to make sure that you don't wait for something, I know all about it. Okay, Chick-fil-A curbside, they will come to your car and deliver it to you. You don't even have to get out, and they'll have it ready right when you pull up, and you've got a designated spot. Starbucks mobile order is my friend. I don't have time to wait in nobody's line. Let me just walk in, and my drink is on the counter, and it's ready for me. I like things to be quick because I don't like to waste time. I don't, I don't want to waste time, so I feel like the most efficient way to do things is the way that I'm going to do it. But the reality is, is when it comes to having our mind renewed, it just doesn't work like that. It's a continual process. It's a continual saying, all right, God, I'm going to do things your way. Okay, I'm going to let go of, oh, I just realized, oh, I was being motivated by fear again. Let me remember the truth of what the word says, and let me replace that lie, and let me trust on God. It's a continual thing where we have to make a choice to say, God, I am not going to continue to be led astray. I'm not going to continue to be moved by what I see. I'm not going to continue to be moved by all of the things in the natural, but I'm going to be moved by your spirit. In Galatians, and I'm, I'm closing, in Galatians 5 and 2, he says, Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. This, this persuasion 
this this thing that says that my ability to do the thing that God has called me to do is based on outward appearance or religious things or based on what I think in the natural or how I feel like the world should be doesn't come from God who called me and then what it says is a little leaven leavens the whole lump so a little bit of unbelief a little bit of doubt a little bit of self a little bit of fear makes us fearful makes us moving out of self and not out of God and so if we allow that little bit to continue to grow it will continue to hinder what it is that God has called us to do it will continue to wreck the path that God has put us on there is I don't know if any of you guys have ever drove on a military installation but if you ever drive on a military installation after you show the the sentry your ID there's like something that you drive over on most bases like you you feel like a click little click in your car and what that click is is it's the barrier that's underneath and if anybody were to ever drive on base unauthorized if you were to ever skip past the sentry that sentry would push a button and that barrier would pop up and if that barrier pops up let me tell you something your car is going to spin or your tires are going to blow or needless to say you will be hindered and what happens is so often when it's time for us to go through the century, we try to go through based on what we've done. We try to go through based on our ability. We try to go based on our standard of righteousness instead of going in by the spirit and by faith. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the light, which means the only way that you can get through the century to the purpose that God has for you is through your faith in Jesus Christ. You can't get in any other way. You can't achieve the great plan. You can't achieve the great destiny any other way than through your faith in Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to our lives and it comes to the assignment that God has given us, we have to move based on faith and not based on what we see in the natural. We have to decide that I am going to open the business. I'm going to write the book. I am going to fulfill the purpose. I am going to walk in the dream based solely on what God says and my faith in the fact that he is God and he has the final say than what it is that I can see. Everyone in here has some level of dream some level of thing that God is calling you to produce, something that God is saying, this is why I created you. And so many of us have found ourselves looking and wondering and saying, God, you said that you have something great for me and I'm not seeing it. God, you said that you've called me for such a time as this, that you've purposed me and I have this dream and I have this vision, but every time I turn around, there's a roadblock in my way. There's something that causes me to stumble instead of achieving what it is that you have for me. And those stumbling blocks of fear and self are no longer going to be hindrances when we decide to take the truth of God's word. The truth about us is that we are more than able. The truth about us is that we are capable of far greater than we could ever imagine. The truth about us is that we can walk in the greatness and the ability that God has for us. Why? Because he said so. And just like he swore by himself concerning me, he swore by himself concerning each of you. He has said that you are able to fulfill the promise and the plan and the dream. But I think sometimes we've just gotten to the point where it's just become dead to us. Where we don't even 
dream about it anymore. We've just gotten so comfortable in the complacent life. We've just gotten so comfortable with good enough, we don't even want better anymore. And so I want you to stand on your feet as I, as I close out. I believe that there are people who are ready for the better. I believe that there are people in this room that know that God has something better, that there is a dream that God has for you that seems like it's unattainable. And you've given up on that dream. And you said, you know what, God, I'm good. No dream for me. You said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to become comfortable with where I'm at. And, and maybe you have a good life. But I know that God has better. So if you have a dream or you have a purpose that you feel like has been hindered, and I know nobody wants to admit, right? Nobody wants to admit that they've had idols. Nobody wants to admit that their self-talk and their fear has caused them to do things that are not like God or has hindered them. But I believe today that God is saying that if you come to me, if you tell me, God, this is my issue, then watch me propel you into destiny. Watch me propel you into the promise. So if I'm speaking to you, I just want to let you know that the altar is open. Not even for me to pray, but just for you to hear God. Just for you to worship him. You can lift your hands in this moment of worship and just say, thank you, God. Father, we surrender to you. We surrender, Father God, our will, Father God. We surrender our mindsets, Father God. We ask you to forgive us, Father God. Forgive us, Father God, for times when we were motivated by self or times when we were motivated by fear, oh God. Forgive us, Father God, for not walking in your truth, oh God. And Father God, we decide right now, oh God, that we will walk in your truth, that we will walk in your divine ability, that we will see ourselves, oh God, as you see us, oh God. We will honor you, Father God, first, and we will walk forward. We will take the step into the Jordan while the water is still there, oh God. We will do what it is that you've called us to do the way you've called us to do it, oh God. And you will get all the glory. You will get all the honor because you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy, God. So we thank you and we give you all the praise. We thank you, oh God. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, God, that you swore by yourself concerning us, oh God. We thank you that you are bringing it to pass, oh God. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. give God a hand praise for Minister Akia. Come on, one more time, you can give God a hand praise. Wow. Wow. I want you to lift your hands all over this building. We're going to raise our offering here in a second, but I want you to lift your hands all, all over this building. She said something that touched my spirit when she was there. She said, in her third point, admit, your admit the lies you tell yourself. Replace it with the word of God. Trust in God. And while she was teaching about trusting God, she said, lean on God. She said, you can't dream big and not be leaned on something. You can't do big stuff in your life and not lean on God. I want to lift those hands. How many people doing something big in here? How many of you know God?